Hello, and welcome in to another edition of the Fantasy Football Podcast, coming at you with our Week 2 Thursday Night Football Preview, recording late on a Wednesday night here, Cody. How are we feeling heading into Week 2? How did your waiver uh, waivers go? Did you get all the guys you were looking for? Did you miss out on uh, a lot of your pickups? Give me the lowdown of uh, what happened. I, um, as I was looking at the waiver last night, I kind of decided that the guys that were out there, I wasn't extremely interested in. So I kind Mm -hmm. of backed off a couple of my bids and I was like, if I get them for a lesser price, I will go ahead and take it. Um, so no, I honestly got no one from just about every waiver wire, um, that I put in for at least for not fab. And in the one league I have, uh, I had a waiver claim. I had enough guys on there. I got one of them. So, um, but not a big, not a big free agent week for me. Honestly, I feel good about a lot of the players on my benches still. So we're going to let it play out another week and then maybe spend up in week two or three. Um, but good little story here. I am in a guillotine league for those who don't know, 18 teams, whoever has the least amount of points each week gets their entire team gets dropped to free agency and they are cut from the league. And I got Lamar Jackson for only $220. The guy behind me at work is in a similar league. Jalen Hurts went for over 700. So when I heard that, I felt like I got a pretty good value in Lamar for 220. Is that in a thousand dollar budget? I'm assuming. Yep. Thousand dollar budget. Nice. Yeah, that sounds like a, a pretty good deal. I, I don't have a good grip on guillotine leagues, honestly. I, I think they, they sound really interesting, but uh, I don't have a good valuation process. But if you're comparing that to the Jalen Hurts uh, signing from a different league, it sounds like the Lamar Jackson was a pretty good value. Uh, I don't know if you looked through our uh, mini Dynasty League's waiver, uh, waiver run here, but did you see what Puka Nakua went for? I did see what Puka Nakua went for. Forty-three and, uh, out of a hundred-dollar budget. That I, it never ceases to surprise me how how aggressive, especially in deeper leagues, people get early on in the Fab season. I I appreciate it, but yeah, I, I was not ready to go up to forty-three for Nakua. Nope i I said forty percent was the most I would go if I was extremely desperate and. Uh, I, I extreme badger is a sleeper name. I don't feel like he was that desperate of a team. I feel like he had a pretty, pretty okay team, but uh, I will say on ours, you got Jacoby Myers for two bucks, which was the steal of the week. I can't believe that one just slipped right past me. Cause I definitely would have put, put a little more than $2 on him. So congrats to you on that one. Did you yeah, see, yeah. did you see his other bid on that one it was $22. Yeah. So it was <laughs> 22 two, and then 10 other people didn't do anything on Jacoby Myers. Pretty crazy. Right. Yeah. The $22 uh, bid was from the same manager that ended up snagging Nakua. So he filled his roster spot when he did that. Uh, so the $22 bid did not end up uh, going through and I got him for two bucks. I was pretty happy with that. Uh, again, not in desperate need in that league, but I think a good guy to stash, especially in half and full BPR leagues, even if he misses this week, should have some utility moving forward. Uh, before we jump into the football, Cody, uh, we are going to kind of reignite our hot take slash Mount Rushmore series here. I think we're going to just stick to the Thursday night football previews. Those are kind of our shorter shows. We don't really want the takes and the Mount Rushmore's to get stale by forcing them into four episodes every week. So we figured keeping them uh, once a week on the Thursday Night Football preview would help uh, juice the episode a little bit and uh, you know help keep the segment going because I think we like the, uh, the concept behind it. But Cody, what is your hot take for the evening? Mine is football related, by the way, but this is okay. it, I, something I, I feel really strongly about. But go ahead and 
you know, that is fair. Mine is, doesn't matter. Mine's not football related. I've kind of had this one in my back pocket and uh, a recent trip I had, I think really confirmed it for me. Uh, I prefer like if you're going to plan a trip or go do something, I think I prefer to go mountains over beach. And um, again, I don't I know I know you're not the biggest fan of beaches, so may not be a hot take within the (laughs) podcast. So that's again not not that one. I think in general, that's a relatively good hot take. Uh, Recently went to the Rocky Mountains on in on a fantasy football draft trip. It's unbelievable up there. I mean, everything you do is just breathtaking. Um, I may be a little bit biased just because I have been to the beach quite a bit. I was lucky enough to have family in Florida and spend a lot of time down there. But when mm-hmm. I go to the mountains, it's literally just, I may just be so new to me, but I just cannot believe some of the, some of the views and some of the things you see out there. Yeah. You're not going to get any pushback from me. My uh, thoughts on beaches are pretty well documented. Uh, I would definitely prefer a mountain trip over a beach trip, but I do agree with you. I think if you ran a poll uh, on Twitter or something that would, it would probably come up 60, 40 beaches or maybe even, you know, more so beaches for most people. So I feel like that is a relative hot take for sure. Um, My hot take for the evening. uh, I listened to uh, a couple of podcasts that are Minnesota based, uh, you know, kind of on and off based on how my week goes and how, uh, how much work I'm doing in the office. But uh, I was listening to their show they kind of just they have this uh, segment called reckless reckless speculation where they were just talking about some future Vikings things and uh, I I feel pretty strongly that Kyler Murray will be the starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings in 2024. I think they line up pretty well. Minnesota just has never really had the draft capital to be picking one of those top tier quarterbacks because they don't lose enough games. But uh, I think the Cardinals are going to be really bad this year. I think there's a chance Kyler Murray plays less than six or seven games, if at all. And at that point, his value will be pretty low uh, in conjunction with his contract. So I feel like it's going to take, you know, a team to basically come along and say, here's a third or fourth round pick. We will eat all of the money that you owe him. And you go ahead and draft Caleb Williams. And we will just take the risk of, you know, Kyler, one, being good enough to live up to the contract, two, being healthy coming off the knee, obviously relies a lot on his mobility. So I think that could be a good fit though him and justin jefferson would be a really interesting combo yep i was just gonna say that him and justin jefferson would be sweet for uh for my justin jefferson piece in our mini dynasty so i i personally like that quite a bit um also another thing with kyler if they end up with you know the number one overall pick it's going to be no question that they're taking caleb williams so you know his oh, no question his trade value then goes down because you're gonna to have to just sell him for the best you're able to get which may be a third fourth round pick if the Vikings can do that, even having to take on that contract, I I think it's worth it just because I don't think you're going, you know, past a couple rounds into the playoffs with Kirk Cousins. So I like it. I hope it happens. I did see something about him potentially going to the Jets if he's healthy by the end of the year and they're close to a playoff race. But the only, the only thing that doesn't make sense there is you really have to make sure Rodgers is not coming back. Otherwise, you have two massive contracts at the quarterback position. So I don't see that one being as feasible, but Minnesota does make a lot of sense. I kind of have a secondary hot take that's sort of involved with the Kyler Murray take and has something to do with the jets that you brought up. I think there is a pretty good chance. Kirk cousins is a New York jet before the end of the year. He does not have a contract past this season. If Zach Wilson continues to show that he is not an NFL ready quarterback, I think it makes a ton of sense if the Minnesota Vikings already started out 0-1, bad loss to the Bucs. They could easily be 0-2 after this game against Philadelphia tomorrow night. 
Uh, I think if they start the season one and four, one and five, uh, they got to start looking to the future. Might as well shake down the Jets for uh, anything you can get. I'm sure they'd be pretty desperate, and Kirk Cousins would be a massive upgrade over what we've seen of Zach Wilson so far. So I, I think that's a good possibility as well. Yeah, I I don't like that one because I don't think they're going to have a good enough replacement for Justin Jefferson. So hope that doesn't happen, but <laughs> you you do make year, a compelling argument. It could it could for sure happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, nope, I like that. I got a nice three hot takes out of the boys tonight. So hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. Nick, you ready to get into your news? Have and you notes? heard the news? Let's do it. Let's do it. Time for Nick's news and notes from around the NFL. Alrighty, kicking off the news and notes uh, with the confirmation that Aaron Rodgers is officially out for the year with the Achilles tear. Uh, I think anybody that'd be listening to this podcast has already heard that, but uh, we did not confirm it on the podcast. Uh, we had recorded basically just after that Monday night game. We kind of suspected it, but uh, it is now confirmed. So uh, quick conversation here, Cody. What uh, what does that mean for Garrett Wilson and the rest of the offense? Uh, where do you rank him rest of season? Uh, I guess just give me... Let's say if we redrafted today, where would you be drafting Garrett Wilson? What round? Give me a range. Oh, he's probably, I mean, he's probably close to the Christian Watson range, in my opinion. I mean, he's probably Mm -hmm. a wide receiver, too. He's going to have some good weeks because he's extremely talented, but he's going to be limited due to his quarterback. So, yeah, it's rough. I mean, I drafted a bunch of Garrett Wilson in some underdog leagues, so I'm feeling the pain quite a bit, but... Yeah, I'd see him as basically a boom-bust wide receiver, too. You hope the talent wins out, but there's a chance that Zach Wilson's just that bad. And then I yeah, will say really- – oh, sorry. I will say on the running back part, I Brees Hall looked dominant. I do not really care. I think he gets more touches. Dalvin gets more touches if he gets involved. He was pretty involved in the passing game when they did go to the running backs. So I think it's good for the running backs. Not necessarily like better than if they had Aaron Rodgers, but – it's not worst case scenario if you have one of those pieces. I'm just more concerned if you have a Garrett Wilson or you were hoping for the McCole Hardman breakout or something like that. Yeah, uh, you, you said it best. Garrett Wilson definitely falls back into the uh, Christian Watson range if we were redrafting today, probably a fourth or fifth round pick uh, ahead of the guys like Drake London and uh, you know maybe a Christian Kirk, but still definitely a downgrade for Garrett Wilson. Still a usable fantasy piece. We're not dropping him. We're not, you know, panic trading him. I think you're just kind of going to have to hold and hope maybe Zach Wilson makes some progress here. But uh, yeah, definitely a downgrade for Garrett Wilson. And then the running backs, I agree, will be less points scored in this offense. But I think that will be slightly offset by the increase in volume. I think this team's probably going to just turn to an identity of running the crap out of the ball and playing really good defense. And that's going to mean a lot of touches for uh, Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. I think both of them could be interesting pieces moving forward I, I think this actually helps Dalvin Cook probably quite a bit I could I think I could have seen a scenario in which Roger stays healthy and you know they aren't running the ball 30 35 times a game and Cook kind of becomes an afterthought once Priest becomes healthy but at this point I think both of them will see 10 plus touches every single week because For sure. you know that's going to just kind of become their identity I would imagine yep. um, all right let me run through the rest of these news and cool. notes before we get to the beat the wire segment Kenneth Gainwell ruled out for Thursday night. 
so he will not be playing with his rib injury. We'll get into uh, our thoughts on the Eagles running backs when we do the Thursday night preview later on in this episode. Deontay Johnson, he will be out at least four weeks with a hamstring injury. This was actually not the worst case scenario. It was not a torn hamstring like it looked like it might have been when you saw his reaction to that play. But Deontay Johnson, hopefully you have an IR spot in your league. You're going to have to uh, just hold on to him for a while here. Cody, in uh, real quick, let's say 10-team league, non or half PPR, would you consider dropping him? No, because I do think that he has a lot of value in PPR leagues. I mean, he he provides a pretty safe floor, so I would hold on to him. If you have a bigger piece that ends up getting injured, like a star running back or a better wide receiver, you have to consider it in that scenario. But just a few weeks here, if I have an IR spot, I will hold on to him unless you know I'm, I'm faced with another scenario. Yeah, I think the only situation in which I'd consider dropping him is non-PPR, 10-team sure. or smaller league, no IR spot, which is actually one of my leagues. I don't have <laughs> Deontay Johnson in that league, but I uh, I would definitely consider dropping him in that situation. But um, probably hanging on to him in most formats. Cordero Patterson could return in Week 2 from a thigh injury. Does not really matter from his perspective, but it will be interesting to see how much work he gets. Uh, I think he's going to be on the field. Could eat eat into Tyler Algier and Bijan's work a little bit. That could become muddy. We'll have to see how it plays out. The Seahawks added 41-year-old tackle Jason Peters. This man just will not go away, uh, but they are having some injury issues with their tackles. Could be you know, a big deal, at least this week. I don't think they're long-term problems necessarily, uh, but both their tackles dealing with injuries, they are clearly worried about it, so they brought in uh, Peters to be a stopgap. Kelsey had his knee drained late last week. His status is still in question. He was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday, uh, but I believe he was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday last week and didn't end up playing. So we'll just have to keep an eye on that one. Chris Jones agreed to a one-year deal with the Chiefs, so he will be back for this year. The Chiefs actually retained the right to franchise tag him as well. Don't really understand what Jones got out of all of this other than a little bit of incentive, uh, but... He lost a lot of money by sitting out as well. So um, I don't his, think he won the staring contest there. Yeah, his incentives basically just pay back all of the fines that he accrued because he sat out. So, yeah, not not the biggest win there for his agents nope. at all. No, not at all. I was uh, not impressed. I guess if you're a Chiefs, uh, in, in Chiefs management or a Chiefs fan, you're probably happy because it's good for the franchise. Austin Eckler did not practice on Wednesday. We will hopefully have a more of an update on him when we do our week two preview. DeAndre Hopkins did not practice Wednesday with an ankle injury. That one, keep an eye on it. I did not hear anything about it uh, after the game on Sunday. I don't think he was limited at all during the game, but very well could just be a veteran rest day. So uh, we will update you on that uh, in a couple days. Christian Watson non-committal about week two. I hope he sits one more week as a Christian Watson owner. He actually talked about in an interview about how he came back too early from this exact same injury last year. Uh, he only missed one week, re-aggravated it, had to miss two more. Um, so it ended up becoming a longer problem. I would expect him to be smart about this and sit out another week. I think Christian Watson owners would hope he does the same uh, and just gets right before he gets back on the field. Aaron Jones missed practice Wednesday with a hamstring problem. Uh, we'll just have to continue to monitor him. He's pretty 50-50. Mark Andrews returned to practice on Wednesday. His status for week two looks pretty solid at this point. But again, we will keep an eye on it. It looked pretty solid going into week one, and he did not end up playing. So, Cody, did you hear any other news or notes that I did not get to? Nope. I was just looking through my phone while you were going through, and I haven't seen anything else pop up. So 
Appreciate you running through those. I don't have too much to say. I would say let's, um, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the news and notes on Thursday. You know, we'll get a little bit more of yeah. an update on these guys before we throw some suggestions out there. Let's see what happens on Thursday practice reports. So uh, let's move into Beat the Wire. This is a segment that we kind of hit on a little bit last week. We're each going to give you three names of players that have basically are going to be rostered in most of them under 20% of leagues. I just have a guy that I want to throw out there because I saw something last week. Uh, but, Nick, I'm going to go ahead and let you kick it off because I like your first guy quite a bit. He was one of my underdog last round picks I made in a bunch of leagues, and it looks like it may end up paying off. Go ahead and take it away. Before I start out with my first player, I just want to go ahead and give Cody props for last week. He had Puka Nakua on his list of Beat the Wire uh, players before week one. So shout out to Cody for that one. This segment is only one week old. We've already got the waiver wire darling uh, nailed in our first segment. So hopefully we can continue the momentum here. Uh, I want to, again, hit on a couple guys I talked about last week that I think are relevant here, but I didn't want to double up. Sean Tucker. Tampa Bay running back, definitely still a good stash. I think probably even more so after seeing Rashad White really struggle in week one. And then Zach Moss, uh, he got picked up in a lot of leagues this week uh, because Deion Jackson was horrible and Evan Hull got injured. But if he's still out there, he may be the starting running back for Indy. It's kind of gross, but he could get a lot of work against a really bad Houston run D. So he could be valuable for you this week, especially if you had injuries uh, to the running back position in week one. But my first pick for this week uh, is also pretty gross, but uh, again, with a tight end position, we don't ask how, we ask how many. Zach Ertz, tight end for the Arizona Cardinals, only rostered in 12.6% of sleeper leagues, probably a deeper league play and closer to an exclusive PPR play, or in our case, Cody, I think maybe someone that's interesting in a tight end premium league. Uh, but he received 10 targets last week. I don't think many people realize that, but he led the tight ends uh, around the NFL, he had the most targets in week one. Obviously, no Kelsey and Andrews helped that, but still 10 targets is nothing to look away from. Played a ton of snaps. He's going to be involved uh, until they decide to go with Trey McBride as the starter. But I think as long as Zach Ertz is healthy, that's not going to happen. He got really close to catching a touchdown last week. That would have given him seven catches and a score. I think a lot more people would be talking about him if he had actually caught that ball. Uh, so again, targets are king when it comes to tight ends. A lot of the times we're recommending guys we think are going to get you know three to five targets. We're praying they catch a touchdown. Ertz might actually be able to provide you with a solid floor. Yeah, I I do agree with you because if you're in any kind of PPR league or tight end premium, gotta be PPR. Yeah, or tight end premium, it definitely makes sense. He did just have six catches for 21 yards. So oh, yeah, Ugly, he is baby. he <laughs> is next to the line of scrimmage, and Josh Dobbs doesn't like doesn't like airing it out too much. So. Um, yeah, I, I honestly don't hate it. it. Tight ends are gross. I mean, you know, I think Gerald Everett was a guy who was started last week and he was at the very kind of end of that startable role and he absolutely dudded. So there's, yep, there's going to exactly. be plenty of, you know, stinky tight ends that you don't want to play, but Zach Ertz deserves to be played. And the fact Trey McBride has made basically zero progress as the starting tight end for the Cardinals kind of shows me that he just may not be that guy for them, or they're just going to wait another year to kind of feature him. So I'm I'm fine with Zach Ertz, especially in deeper leagues. You want to go ahead and kick it off with your first guy? Absolutely. All right. My first guy, he's rostered in 42% of leagues, so this one's not going to be available in probably a lot of your more competitive ones. That's Roshan Johnson, running back of the Chicago Bears. 
I'm not 100% sold that there will ever be one guy who controls this backfield. It seems like they're pretty committed to having the committee. But if Herbert goes down uh, with any kind of injury, I think that the Bears would turn to Johnson to be their lead guy. Uh, he looked good. It wasn't garbage time because basically the entire second half of that game was garbage time. He had a garbage time touchdown, but he did look good while he was on the field, and he was a check down monster. So in PPR leagues, if he can kind of keep that role, and he looked good on third down, I would say. So I think there's a good chance that that happens. He definitely needs to be rostered. If you are one of the lucky ones in 58% of the leagues on sleeper that don't have Roshan Johnson rostered, I would go ahead and do that now. Yeah, seven targets. Again, uh, a lot of garbage time, like you said, but the Bears have lost 11 straight games for a reason. There might be a decent amount of garbage time for them this year. And I think if any one of these running backs is going to take over the backfield, it would be Roshan Johnson. He kind of has the the most well-rounded game of the group, or at least projects to. So definitely somebody worth stashing. Uh, could even be worth a flex play in a couple weeks here uh, without you know being the clear lead guy just because he's going to get five ish targets every week that is hard to ignore in half and full PPR leagues. My second guy on the beat the wire segment is somebody I kind of want to hit on that we touched on in the preseason, but has kind of been forgotten about because he was injured in week one. That's DJ Chark of the Carolina Panthers. He's only rostered in 17.9% of leagues. I was pretty surprised how low that was. Carolina wide receiver core was really uninspiring in week one. Hayden Hurst was the target leader by a decent margin and, uh, you know, led in receptions and yards. Not that that says very much. I think he was around 40 yards and, you know, five or six catches. But regardless, uh, I think he was the highest ranked Carolina wide receiver for most, uh, you know, analysts in the offseason. He may return as soon as this week. He is limited. He was limited on Wednesday. Even if you have to wait one more, I think uh, the potential of him being the number one wide receiver uh, is is definitely there. It won't require an injury. Could be a guy that, you know, a lot of people just kind of slept on after the initial hamstring strain and, could be a lead wide receiver, uh, again, for an inconsistent quarterback, most likely in Bryce Young, but a number one wide receiver is worth rostering in any league, I would say. Yep. If you've been listening to the podcast uh, during draft season, DJ Chark has been one of the guys Nick's been rather high on anyway. So uh, this one was not too surprising for me. And yeah, any receiving core that has Hayden Hurst become the number one option probably could could use some Speaks firepower. DJ, Mark, DJ Chark could be that guy. Um, Nick, I don't know if you could smell that, but it's getting pretty stinky in here with this second guy. A little bit, little bit uh, sad I have to utter his name, but we're going Allen Robinson, a wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Rostered in only 16% of sleeper leagues, and I bet that number almost doubled after waivers this week uh, just due to the injury uh, concerns. But this is – this is basically just as an ad need or as needed play. So do not go drop a potential breakout candidate for Allen Robinson. I don't see him being valuable after Deontay Johnson comes back. This is just a guy who got eight targets, had five receptions, 64 yards. In a PPR league, if he has that, gets in the end zone, it's going to be worth it as a you know a desperation desperation flex play. I honestly don't see George Pickens taking over and just being the number one target getter in this offense. It has not seemed to go his way. So I just think there's some opportunity at the wide receiver position. Again, not my favorite name I have to put out there this week, but Allen Robinson is going to have some value until Deontay Johnson comes back. Yeah, it's gross, but it's a lot like Zach Ertz. He's going to have volume. Uh, like you said, Pickens is not necessarily going to inherit the Deontay Johnson targets. He kind of has his role in that offense. He's going to be the outside guy. 
It's going to be the deep, uh, deep runner. Uh, so Allen Robinson will probably fill in in the slot and handle those short area targets. It is gross, but he will get his catches and yards, and he will have a pretty safe floor most weeks. So if you were in a deeper league, he's definitely worth a look. I don't know if you saw this, but our esteemed colleague, Eric Wagner, picked up Allen Robinson for a dollar on <laughs> yesterday. So He is one of those 16 appropri- percenters. <laughs> The appropriately named Sloppy Banana uh, jumping in on the nasty Allen Robinson here. So, uh, yeah, it, there are there are leagues where he is going to have relevance, if you whether you like it or not. So, uh, good Former Chicago Bear Allen Robinson, no surprise yeah, there. May, from, may from be Eric skewing Wagner. his perception <laughs> slightly, absolutely. I'm sure he's got an old, dusty Allen Robinson jersey in the closet he's going to break out. But uh, my third and final beat the wire uh, guy here is going to be Jerome Ford running back for the Cleveland Browns. I brought him up in uh, pre-draft uh, because again, this is a Cleveland uh, Cleveland Browns team that has shown the you know willingness or at least the desire to have a second guy run behind Nick Chubb. They, you know, don't normally, ha- they you do not normally have him handle you know, 80 plus percent of the carries. They usually just like to have a second guy in there to spell him. He got 15 carries in week one. It went really under the radar. It was uh, in large part due to the fact that they were blowing out the Bengals for much of the fourth quarter, uh, but he did play about 40% of the snaps. He was sprinkled in throughout the game. This was not just a fourth quarter thing. Uh, so he probably won't play that much when Nick Chubb is healthy in games that are competitive till the end, but he has the potential to be a deeper league flex as well as being a super, super valuable handcuff if Chubb were ever to go down. I think he'd be the lead guy here in an offense. Again, we've seen time and time again, Cleveland backs just come in and have success. Stefanski runs a really a really nice uh, run scheme, and we've seen guys like Dearness Johnson, Kareem Hunt, name your guy, come in and step into that role and have success for fantasy. So I think he's definitely worth rostering in deeper leagues. Uh, I will say that Cleveland right tackle Jack Conklin tore his ACL over the weekend, so that does slightly weaken their line. He's a great run blocker as well, so little tough there, but uh, this should still be a team that has a lot of value from the running back position. Yep, I love this one. I mean, he he should be rostered in a competitive league. Not only is does he may have potential to be valuable on his own, but him as a handcuff to Nick Chubb could be extremely, extremely valuable. He looked good. I watched almost this entire game. He was working basically throughout. It was not just a Roshan Johnson kind of event where the fourth quarter was his, so – I, I yeah. like Jerome Ford quite a bit. That's going to be a good one to uh, to go ahead and snag now. That, that that one might be the one we're talking about next week as the winner of this Could segment. Um, number three, this one's probably my favorite out of the three, Josh Downs, wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. Only 10% rostered in sleeper. So, again, 90% of those people listening have this guy on his waiver wire. Um, basically he played 20% less snaps than Alec Pierce. And while that may not be too inspiring, he had more targets, more receptions, more yards. Uh, he, he basically was the benefactor of Richardson looking good behind Michael Pittman. So I, I again, don't have extreme confidence that Anthony Richardson is going to maintain his performance from week one, but you know, downs could definitely have some value through bye weeks if Richardson continues to develop, Downs and him can you know definitely build a rookie connection. It's a little bit of a long shot, and you're kind of banking on a couple rookies figuring it out in the NFL kind of early in the season, which isn't probably the best shot, but only 10% of leagues. He's a deep wide receiver play. Josh Downs, wide receiver, Indianapolis Colts. 
Yeah, uh, seven targets in week one was definitely encouraging. He played a decent amount of snaps, especially for a rookie. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you are rostering guys on your bench, uh, you're looking for guys that have upside, and high draft capital rookie wide receivers are at the top of that list. So uh, if you are, again, in a deeper league where a lot of the other uh, high draft capital rookie wide receivers are already rostered, this is a guy that might fly under the radar a little bit more, could be a decent guy down the road. Seven targets in week one is definitely encouraging. Targets are an earned stat, so to see him come right out and be pretty heavily involved is uh, is encouraging for sure. All right, Cody, uh, let's go ahead and jump into our Thursday night football preview. We'll start it out with our best bets for the contest. Minnesota at Philadelphia tomorrow night. Philadelphia favored by six and a half points over under a juicy 49 in this one. I am going to take the road dog here. I'll take the Minnesota and the points, uh, and I will uh, play the under 49 as well. Don't have a ton of confidence in the line. We talked about this before we started the pod. I don't think either one of us are going to bang the table for Minnesota plus six and a half. Uh, so I don't have a strong lean there. I just you know, have a gut feeling that Minnesota comes out and makes this one competitive, but I would not be putting money down on this if it was me. I am much more comfortable putting money down on the under. I think 49 is a couple points too high. I, I 100% agree with you. I, I'm I'm also on the under 49, but the more I look at it, I just think that there's a chance that Philadelphia's defensive line just dominates the offensive line of the Vikings and make Kirk Cousins' day extremely difficult, um, especially in prime time. I, I know I have Minnesota plus 6.5. For the record, I think I'm going to go ahead and flip that. I'm going to go with the Eagles minus 6.5. I will also take the don't under still because I don't think that the Vikings are going to score too much in this game. But I, I think this could be a game that the Eagles kind of get back on track after a sluggish week one in, in Foxborough and just and just boat race Minnesota. But I don't know. I, I did see a stat that – it is a positive bet when you take a team that did not cover the week before against a team who did. So Minnesota did not last week. Philadelphia did. Smart money's probably on Minnesota plus six and a half, but I don't know. I'm not I'm not too sold on Minnesota. I think Philly could run away with this pretty quickly. Yeah, the matchup of the Eagles D-line against the Minnesota O-line could become a pretty big mismatch, especially if uh, Minnesota does not have their star left tackle, Christian Derrissaw. He's questionable with an ankle injury right now. If he's not in, I would be probably switching my pick. And again, I still wouldn't be too terribly comfortable with it, but at that point, I would uh, probably be on the Eagles side of things because that he makes a pretty big difference in this situation, especially. My best bet for the evening, I'm going long shot, Cody. I think this is a squeaky wheel gets the grease type of game for this player. Dallas Goddard to score the first touchdown at plus 1,400. Jordan Addison uh, was, I think, plus 1,500. Uh, you know, obviously he scored a touchdown last week, but he's a rookie wide receiver and he's on the road in this one uh, against a team that's favored pretty heavily. So I think Goddard being close to that is uh, pretty good value. So 14 to 1, I'll take my bet on Goddard being the first TD score. Yeah, I feel like Addison plus 1,500 is just getting suckers who drafted him in fantasy yeah, football saw. just to throw the bet on him also. <laughs> yeah, I I would not take that whatsoever. Um, yeah, I, I have nothing against Dallas Goddard first touchdown. I, I When I target first touchdowns, I like to go after running backs or tight ends because when you get on the goal line, they seem to have the most designed plays. So I, I do not mind that at all. Um, mine, I'm my best bet. It's definitely not a long shot at all. I'm going to take AJ Brown anytime touchdown at plus 100. So even odds 
Uh, for me, this one's pretty simple. I Not only do I think that the, there's a mismatch on the Eagles defensive line and the Vikings offensive line, I think the Eagles receiving options are just going to blow away the the secondary of the Vikings. So I could see A.J. Brown having one of his patented A.J. Brown games where he gets a nice eight, nine catches, maybe even two touchdowns. I, I would honestly put an A.J. Brown two touchdown uh, bet on this game as well. I think this is going to be his game on Thursday night football. So my best bet's going to be anytime touchdown, but don't be afraid to sprinkle a little bit on two touchdowns tonight or on Thursday night. Yeah, they the Minnesota or Vikings tonight, have no the t- one. Time you're listening. Right. Minnesota Vikings have absolutely no one that can match up with A.J. Brown. So plus 100. Uh, I I think it's probably slightly better than a coin flip chance A.J. Brown scores a touchdown. So we, we will certainly take the even money on it. Uh, all right. Let's go ahead and move into the matchup preview itself. As I said before, Philadelphia favored by six and a half points at home over under 49, starting out with Minnesota. Quarterback Kirk Cousins. Uh, I think he's actually an interesting play. I would not be completely bailing on him. I think this is a similar situation to kind of what we laid out last week for some of these borderline guys. If he's your starter, I'm not dropping him to stream someone else with a slightly better matchup. If you're in a super shallow league and you really want Cousins against, or excuse me, uh, Goff against the Seahawks or something like that, Go ahead, but I'd probably just hang on to him and uh, see what happens here. It's a high over-under. Billy's secondary is really beat up in this game. They have no James Bradbury, uh, no N'Kobe Dean. He's a linebacker, but still, their uh, their back end is, is pretty beat up. They're starting a lot of rookies and second-year players. They lost C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the offseason, obviously. So uh, this could be a situation where, again, the Philly defensive line is really stout. They shut down the Patriots' running game last week, but – Kirk Cousins might have to throw the ball 40, 45 times in this one for the Vikings to move it at all. And I think Jefferson and Addison against these uh, inexperienced corners is probably their best bet to, to move the ball consistently. Yeah, absolutely. I would also say that the the game line is indicative that Kirk Cousins is going to be throwing the ball quite a bit because if they, yeah. you know, let's say they're down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, score the score the one to basically – get close to covering let's say they lose by seven or something he's gonna have to be throwing the ball probably the whole game so i i have kirk cousins i'm going to go ahead and keep him in there and play him over uh anthony richardson if you're someone who drafted both of them he's playing the texans this weekend he's a little bit banged up so i i'm gonna make that decision and then yeah i if you're in a league like ours i'm not dropping kirk cousins to the waiver wire because someone will quickly scoop him up and take them as their qb2 so go ahead and keep him in there may not be the easiest of matchups but sometimes you just got to stick it out when you have these lesser talented quarterbacks on your fantasy team i would make the same decision for the record that anthony richardson game may look enticing but as we've mentioned uh many times last year and going into last week uh that houston defense has not actually been great for quarterbacks because they're so bad against the run anthony richardson normally would be able to take advantage of that but that knee injury kind of scares you off of that the over under that game's also i think like 39 so the 10 point difference would probably be the tiebreaker there for cousins for me alex madison Cody, I am a noted Alex Madison hater. Uh, He did not look great in week one to my eye. He did score a nice touchdown on a reception. It kind of saved his day, but he was very inefficient with the opportunities he got. I do not have a lot of faith in him in this one. Uh, Like we said already, that Philly front is really intimidating. They shut down the run game of the Patriots last week. I am not saying bail on him. He's still going to get a ton of work and be the lead guy in this offense, but he's a very low-end RB2 for me. 
Yeah, I'm probably trying to avoid him if I have someone in a plus matchup, maybe a little bit less talented or on a weaker offense, just because I don't see this being a positive game script for him. Um, I Even if it's a close game, like you said, I don't think that the way that the Vikings are going to win this game is running it against that defensive line. So if you're in PPR, uh, I think he may have a little bit of value just from his pass catching ability, just in a game where you know we may see 45, 50 pass attempts from Kirk Cousins, but... I think he's kind of kind of a risky play this week because there's a chance he just gets completely shut down and Ty Chandler's in there catching some balls as well with him and you know just the running back points get spewed everywhere because they can't establish a running game. Let me throw a few names at you and see how you feel about Alex Madison. Let's just keep it half PBR so we can try to stay in the middle here. Uh, how about James Conner against the New York Giants? Yeah, I would still go James Conner and half PPR. I think that when it comes to the Arizona offense, they only have a certain amount of guys there. He's one of them that's going to get involved. So I would have a little bit more confidence in him. And, you know, the Giants should have a good defense, but we saw the, you know, we did, I guess we actually didn't really get to see it that much because the Cowboys kind of didn't have to play offense last week. So, right. Brees Hall or Dalvin Cook against the Dallas Cowboys on the road. Oh, I think I'm going Brees Hall for sure. I think Dalvin Cook's probably in a very similar situation. Probably wouldn't doubt it if him and Alexander Madison get close to the same amount of you know reception opportunities this week. Maybe Madison gets a couple more rushing opportunities earlier in the game. I probably lean Madison over Cook, but I think I'm going Brees pretty comfortably over Madison, even against that Cowboys defense. I just think Brees is a pretty special player. I I couldn't keep him on my bench. Last one here, Zay Flowers at Cincinnati or Alex Madison. Yeah, give me Alex Madison. I think Cincinnati's going to have a pretty good bounce back game. I could see that one being very scrappy, low scoring, but I think I think the Bengals defense is going to come to play, and I think it's going to be a pretty low scoring divisional matchup. I'd go Flowers, but I don't blame you. I think Madison probably has a slightly higher floor. Uh, I just really like what I saw from Flowers last week, and I really, really hate this matchup for Madison. Uh, Last guy on the Vikings we need to talk about, uh, Justin Jefferson. You're starting, obviously. TJ Hawkinson, you are starting as well. So Jordan Addison, the last fantasy-relevant player that warrants a discussion. Uh, Would you take Jordan Addison or Alex Madison? I would go Addison in this one just because of the game script. I think that, like you said, they're going to have to be throwing the ball – I actually wanted to take a look at something I forgot to before we got on here. Um, KJ Osborne played. He played a lot more than he ran ahead of Jordan Addison. I think he was around ninety oh, yeah. percent of snaps. Addison, Addison was, was at fifty six. Yep. Six. So. Yeah. So that was to be expected, though. We kind of told you that was going to happen. I think it yep. it'll slowly move towards Addison. I it doesn't scare me that much. I'd still play him over Madison as well. Yeah, here's the thing with Addison. If you're going to play him over a guy like Madison, you're basically taking a potential floor of zero. But yep. you know, you're also you taking the chance of if he scores a touchdown, I don't think it's going to be on the goal line. They throw a fade to Addison. It's going to have to be a you know 15, 20, 25 yard touchdown, similar to what he had last week. So if he gets another thing yep. like that, I think he outscores Madison pretty quickly. Um, if the game script doesn't go that way to Addison and you know, for some reason they can't get him the ball this game, then he definitely has this as an absolute super low floor, but, but I think I would take the, uh, take the risk of Addison this week. Fair enough. Uh, I think I would as well. Uh, anything else on the Vikings that we want to mention here? Nope. Start TJ Hawkinson, but that's a given. So I don't think anyone's questioning that. 
the Eagles are pretty easy. We're starting Jalen Hurts. We're starting both of the wide receiver options against this soft secondary, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Dallas Goddard, uh, maybe some people think he warrants a consideration uh, for, you know, like a conversation starter sit-wise, but there is no, there was no breakout tight end in week one. I don't think there's anybody who could have conceivably drafted in the late rounds that you would even consider starting over Goddard at this point. He has a good matchup at home. His team's favored by a lot. Keep him in your lineup. Uh, do you have anything to add or are we just, we're just no, still one, starting 100%. Goddard? 100%. I don't even yeah. I, I don't even look at people seriously when they say they don't know if they're playing God. No. Why would you draft a tight end no. or you drafted him then? Yeah, you're starting him. DeAndre Swift is the only guy I think that warrants conversation here. Uh, there's no Kenny Gainwell this week. He ran as the clear one in week one, so there's a ton of opportunity up for grabs here. Who knows how they're going to split it. I would guess Swift is going to be the lead guy. He has the most talent out of the group. Uh, maybe, you know, you could argue him or Rashad Penny, but Penny was a healthy scratch last week. So I would lean towards Swift getting the majority of the work here. Are we risking it, Cody? Are we recommending DeAndre Swift or are you just a full stay away from the situation? Yeah, I can't stay away because Nick Sariani did come out and say there's going to be weeks where he's involved quite a bit, and there's going to be weeks like last week. So if there's going to be a week that he's involved quite a bit, it's going to be this week without Kenneth Gainwell. But him, similar to Jordan Addison, I mean, it sucks that you have to put DeAndre Swift on that level, but you are accepting a floor of absolutely zero if uh, if he does not end up being the running back that plays. So. It's very risky. I understand the upside there, especially in what could be a positive game script for the Eagles, but I, I'm probably of trying to avoid him everywhere that I can anyway, just because you're it's a very high risk. And you know, even if the Eagles are, let's say, winning by two scores, I don't see them using DeAndre Swift to run out the clock. I could see them easily bringing in Rashad Penny or even Boston Scott to play that role over DeAndre Swift. So. I think I'm going to change my answer. I think I'm staying away from him. Yeah, I'm full stay away. I have no confidence he's going to get uh, you know, enough work to be fantasy relevant. I think it is certainly on the table, but I could easily see them going with Penny as the more apt first and second down replacement for Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, I, I just don't know how the situation is going to shake out. I can't uh, you know, confidently recommend any one of these guys over the other, so I am probably staying away, but... That being said, Cody, I, I kind of want to throw another beer bet on here. It's been a while since we've added to this list. So uh, how would you feel about uh, – I'll take Rashad Penny points in half PPR this week over Alex Madison. Will you take the bet? Oh, Rashad Penny versus Alex Madison in half PPR? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'll take that bet I'll with you. Penny. That's a good one for okay, this Thursday awesome. night football. Sure. Let's go. Let's do it. All righty. I'm going to be wearing my Rashad Penny hat secretly while the game is on. 100%. That's a good bet on your end Cody. because if he's the yes. lead guy, it's going to be he's going to outscore Madison by quite a bit. So Honestly, my, my best I, chance here is he just doesn't get involved. <laughs> if you get get Penny to 10 touches, then I think he will outproduce Madison even if he gets 15 or uh, you know a couple more than that. So I, I just really like – I think he's a great running back. I really think if the Philadelphia Eagles give him a shot, he will – take over as the first and second down guy but for whatever reason it just didn't work out in training camp for him so i'm going down through a shod penny ship uh <laughs> by hell like or high it. water so we'll see what happens but uh this will be the first one of our beer bets to actually uh you know go one way or another the rest of them are season long uh or at least they are so far so we need yeah, to uh, what was, try to was... include a few more of those uh week to week was alex madison 240 touches was it 240 that's right 
240. Ooh, mm-hmm. He is on pace for 238 based on week one. Oh. So <laughs> we will have it's to keep, come down to the wire. We will have to keep a, uh, a counter there. But all right, yes, cool. Let's wrap this thing up. I uh, Do you have anything else about Thursday Night Football or anything uh, to bring out to the people? Not yet. Again, the uh, the injury update on our week two preview should be a lot more informative than it was today. Those Thursday practice reports usually uh, tell a, a much more clear story than the Wednesday ones do. So just stay tuned. Yep, 100%. Also, make sure if you are not and you listen to this, hit that subscribe button. Leave a five-star review on your listening platform. Peace out, everybody. See you.